It is Friday, November 25th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Thanksgiving football in the books. And the Egg Bowl goes to the Fighting Mike Leeches. Here comes the Vegas Truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Bills hold on to beat the Lions 28-25. The Cowboys defeat the Giants 28-20. And the Vikings, Kirk Cousins in primetime, steals the show 33-26 Minnesota over the Pats. Mississippi State outlasts Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. The Vegas lead, AJ, Thanksgiving football. How was your Thanksgiving? I'm very full. Very Very full still. Hours later, I'm still bloated. I am very excited for leftovers later today. Oh, yes. Because I worked a lot yesterday, to be honest. You did? You were a hardworking man. Yeah. And so I didn't really get to eat the full meal, the full experience. Today I will, though. I think I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to wake up for USA England, and I'm going to eat all the leftovers. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. Are you? you, What you should do, this is the move. Mm Mm-hmm. You going to your parents' house? No, I'm going to my brother's. Okay. Because we're going to watch the soccer game. Okay. I was going to say, if you go to your parents' house, you should make them feel guilty for having a real Thanksgiving yesterday without Oh, you. yeah. Yeah. So what, you couldn't wait Well, they day? sent they sent the leftovers home with my brother. So oh, I, I, I got everything. I okay. Got, like, listen, I got plates made. I got trays of food. All right. We're ready you, got to the, go. you got the goods. All right. And plus, you know, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to watch USA England. It's going to be a good time. I'm going to take a nap, hopefully sleep through USA England, and wake <laughs> up and watch sports. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's plenty of hockey. There's plenty of college football. That's right. Plenty of NBA action. We're going to get to it all coming up here on the podcast. But let's start with Thanksgiving football. The day started with the Buffalo Bills defeating the Lions 28-25. And the only thing that I can say here, AJ, is that the Lions, it's no surprise how hard they play. We've known that they fight hard. They're called the Fighting Dan Campbells for a reason. They play hard, but their coaching lets them down, and that's why this team is not successful. The fighting Dan Campbells, and you think of this team who they're just going to do whatever it takes to win, except go for it on fourth down in a key spot. Or call timeouts when you should be calling timeouts. Or kick the ball short instead of putting it out of the end zone. The coaching absolutely let them down in that game yesterday. Terrible clock management at the end of the first half. Terrible clock management at the end of the game. And then after they score to tie the game at 25, there's less than 25 seconds left. 23 seconds. You cannot kick the ball through the end zone. You can't give Josh Allen the football on the 25. You have to to pooch it up in the air or even squib kick it. And even if you do give him the football on the 30 or whatever, at least you take some time off the clock. You took no time off the clock, and you gave him the football at the 25-yard line. Let's talk about this. Why can Josh Allen move the ball like that when there's 23 seconds left, but when he gets in the red zone and he's got time to operate, he basically turns turns into a moron? Yeah. The, well, well, let's let's be honest. In the red zone, the field shrinks. The de- there's more defenders in a, in a lesser field area, and you have Dumbo defenses, as Fez would say, that are playing prevent in a game situation like that. 23 seconds left. They're letting him get the middle of the field because they want the clock to expire. They don't. Want, they're guarding against the sidelines. Josh Allen threw an absolute dime. Yeah, 36 yards down the middle of the field, as he said after the game, put his faith in 14. That would be Stefan Diggs. That's what he did, and bang. I mean, it was there was was there any doubt that they were going to get that field goal? It didn't feel like there was any, or it felt like okay. Worst case scenario, it goes to overtime, and Josh Allen scores a touchdown in overtime. I had no. I, as soon as they got the football on the twenty-five yard line, I said, "There's going to be three plays. They're in field goal yep. range." I never had any doubt. Do you think any? Here's a crazy stat. Before I ask you this question, and and this is. Baffling. The Bills became the first team to win back-to-back games at Ford Field <laughs> since 2016. <laughs> that they're a road team. Think about that. 
the Bills, because of the game that they played last week yeah. and in this game, that's funny, have won back-to-back games at Ford Field for the first time since the Lions in 2016 on their home field. I actually thought you were going to say the Packers or something like that. <laughs> no, no, no. Back in the same like back. Oh, back-to-back weeks. Back-to-back okay. weeks. That's what I'm saying. The Bills, the Lions haven't done that. Yeah. 2016. It's 2022. It is. The you Bills, said that at the beginning of the show. The Bills are the first team to win two straight games at Ford Field. Yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> Let, let's talk about the Bills for a second. Are your are any of your concerns about them alleviated, or are they, are they heightened now after you seeing this game yesterday? So that was the question I was going to ask you as well. So good job there. I, I, I don't think anything less of the Buffalo Bills after the, the loss of the Vikings didn't think anything. After the loss to the Vikings, didn't uh, I mean the uh, the win against the Browns and now this win? To me, this is the lull that happens during the course of a long season, and the Buffalo Bills are going through it. They experienced it in the third quarter, as Josh Allen said after the game. And think about what they dealt with the past two weeks, with the snow, with the p- displacement. They barely practiced. You know, they flew home from Detroit, go deal with the snow removal and all that stuff, then go back to Detroit. I think they are happy just to get through these two games, and now they'll have a mini-buy here. They're going to look like a much different team when they take on the Patriots. Josh Allen, at the end of that game, like when the kick went through, hugging Stefan Diggs, like with this look of relief on yeah. his face, like – God, we got through it. Just think they're gas right we now. Ju- we finally got through it. Oh, my God. Get me home. And I can imagine that's the way they would feel. So it, I, I think the other important thing is they get healthy over the next, you know, 10 days. Uh, they're still banged up in the secondary. We still haven't seen Tredavious White. Von Miller leaves the game with a knee injury. That's and, important. And if he's done for the year, that's a really, really tough loss. It is. So, uh, But it, it does I, – I do feel like this was – there was a finish line. And they're like, okay, we'll start the next leg of the race in ten days, and they, they've got a they've got a minute to. It's like it's in between rounds in an mm-hmm. MMA fight. You've got a minute to sit on your stool, and in their case, they've got a, they've got a little over a minute because yeah. they've got a, a couple extra days. So go home, eat some turkey, relax a little bit, get ready for the Patriots. Uh, you know, next weekend. Eat some turducken. Boom. Boom. So in the second game of the day. Uh, Turkey. Boom. A duck. (laughs) You had the Cowboys beat the Giants 28-20. And I'm sure when McKenzie runs all the numbers, the the garbage time score from the Giants is going to be taken out of the equation. And the uh, final score will look much worse than the 28-20 score that it wound up being. R.I.P. Cowboys backers and underbackers. I had the under. They uh, there were still some people paying attention at the end of that game. Is yep. what I was telling. Uh, I was telling McKenzie we were watching the game together. I said, "Still some things to be decided." And on that that last touchdown, the spread and total were decided, and the Cowboys fall to one and nine ATS as favorites on Thanksgiving. Just a a, a dreadful run. I think that goes str- back think, to twenty ten. I think it's even worse than that. I think they're now one and eleven overall. Oof. In their last 12 Thanksgiving games. And, and yeah, it came down. It was the backdoor play. Backdoor cover on Thanksgiving. The Giants, once again, for the second straight week, could not get the running game going. Thank you to Micah Parsons, who cashed my only winner of the day. Uh, not a great over, thanks- the half, over the half a sack? Yeah, not a great Thanksgiving for me on the betting front. I had a couple pain, two sacks. painful beats. But, yeah, Micah Parsons did his job. One of the few things that went right for me yesterday. Besides, besides turkey. Giants couldn't run the ball at all. Saquon Barkley took the blame for it after the game, but it's not his fault. This is a banged-up offensive line that's rotating pieces in and out. And until this Giants team gets healthy, and maybe they do over this little mini break, the running game is – if they're not running the football efficiently – they're not going to win these games. Well, and they're also playing against a top-tier defense here in Dallas. Sure. But guess what? Guess but they what? moved the ball so well on their opening drive. They had the touchdown called back to due to uh, ineligible man downfield, which is so ticky-tack. The lineman's like two and a half yards away from the line of scrimmage, <laughs> away from the play, and they call uh, ineligible man downfield. I think that's one of those penalties that you know it has nothing to do with the actual outcome of the play that should never be called. 
I don't I don't disagree. It gets called a lot more in college than it does in the NFL. And it, and the the biggest issue is it gets called on these RPOs. Like it, yeah, it's well, of course, because the up. linemen think they're going to run the ball. Right. So, so they're, they're running. They're trying to block in the second level. Yeah, but that's communication on the offense. That's what they've got to figure out. I think the the bad news for the Giants is they've got the Commanders coming up next. Commanders, another dominant run defense. They look good, too. They're playing well. Uh, They have the Commanders two of the next three weeks, and it's a weird schedule for the Commanders because the Commanders play the Giants, then they go on their bye week, and then they play the Giants again. So they have two straight games against the Giants. My mind automatically says this is going to be a split between these two teams. I think that would be I think that'd be a win for the Giants at this I point. I agree. And I think you look at the Giants right now at seven and four and their chances to make the playoffs, which according to five thirty eight is only forty seven percent. I really do believe that nine wins get you into the playoffs as the seven seed in the NFC. If you look at the standings in the NFC right now, the Giants will be behind the Seahawks after this week. The Giants beat the Seahawks. They'll both be 7-4. and four. Seahawks beat the Giants heads up. The Giants will fall to the seventh seed. Then the Commanders with the win will improve to 7-5. and five. They'll still be behind the Giants, though. If you split and go 1-1 one one with the Commanders, you'll still stay ahead of them. And then you have – the Giants have six games left. Two of them are against the Commanders. They have six games. If they win two of them and finish the season 9-8, and eight, I honestly think that's going to give that they're going to have a chance. Here's the problem, though. When, when when we did this exercise early in the season, when the Giants were what they start out like uh, seven and, or six, was it six and one? They started out six and one. Well, they started we, out seven and two. Yeah, they started out six and one. Okay, so we were talking about how you know what could their record look like, and we looked at this last stretch and we saw two games against the Commanders, two games against the Eagles, and a game against the Colts. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we thought, ooh, Commanders. That's a couple of, a couple of easy wins. The mm-hmm. way the Giants were playing, Colts. That's an easy win. The way the Colts were playing, now those games aren't as guaranteed as they felt like you know a month ago. And the Giants are going to be in a dogfight every week for every win. So get into five, you know above five hundred at the end of the season will be a will be a tall task. Even getting off to a really good start like they did for the Dallas Cowboys now after the impressive win last week against the Minnesota Vikings, holding off the Giants here, improving to 8-3, and three, where do you have them in the NFC power rankings? They're third, or maybe, you know, right, they're right behind the Eagles. Uh, I, I've mentioned before, I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC now. The Cowboys are gaining on the Eagles, though. The, the, the Cowboys look really good, and it's real easy to look at, well, they've got a head-to-head. Eagles won at the Eagles 26-17. That was Cooper Rush game. Like, yeah. This offense with Dak out there looks a lot different uh, and a lot stronger, a lot more versatile. I, I I think that that game in you know week 15, 16, whenever it is, that's when we're going to find out who the second best team in the in that division is. So you think about this. Just you mentioned it. Look at the Cowboys' three losses. You lose to the Bucks in a game that Dak Prescott got hurt in. Yep. Okay. You lose to the Eagles with Cooper Rush at quarterback. And you lose to the Packers in overtime in in Lambeau, cold. Bats against a wall for the, the Packers. The, the do-or-die game for Green Bay, I think you can brush that one off. That's it. Those are the only losses for this team this year. And now they play the Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars before their matchup with the Eagles, where right now they are a favorite at home. And really, the other thing is when they do win games, they're winning with some margin. Like they they beat this Giants team worse than the final score says. They like they punked out the Giants like yesterday. Uh, they we just mentioned they they smashed the Vikings. They smashed the Bears. They smashed the Lions. They smashed the Rams. Like they they're beating up on team. the Commanders. They they smashed. Although that was Carson Wentz Commanders. So they are beating up on teams. And you talk about a schedule opening up. Their next three games: Colts, Texans, Jags. They basically play the AFC mm-hmm. South mm-hmm. here. They've got a chance to really make some noise. Uh, this Cowboys team, I don't know what the what the limit is for their their wins this season. I mean, this could be a, a, a 13-win team, 12-13-win team. You know, and, and didn't we all talk about before the season how we wanted the under 10.5 on the Dallas yeah. Cowboys wins? And then the way that they, they lose the first game of the year, and then Cooper rushes the quarterback, and you're like, all right, this team is definitely going <laughs> yep. under. 
They lose. It was the, seven and a half after Cooper Rush was oh, started. Wow. Man. And then they lose to the Eagles, and you're like, all right, you know, they won those Cooper Rush games, but now it's back down to earth. Couple of wins here and in impressive fashion. It's 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 looking like this is a double digit win team. Best scoring margins in the NFL, Buffalo plus one ten. Dallas plus 92, then and, the Eagles plus 80. And Dallas, Although the Eagles have one less game in their pockets. So. And the Dallas Cowboys differential should have been better if they don't let that garbage time touchdown go in. Yeah, you know, what are you doing, guys? You know, what then, are and, you and, doing? And my, then my under would have hit. Yeah, RIP Scott's under, RIP Cowboys backers. The nightcap, Kirk Cousins, primetime. What could go wrong? Well, it started out looking exactly <laughs> like everyone expected. He threw an interception, led to a Patriots score. I was just, I was shocked watching this game play out because I I was on the under in this game as well. I thought it was going to be low scoring. I thought these defenses were going to come to play. Little did I know this was going to turn out into a, uh, turn into a shootout where both quarterbacks played really well and there was a special teams touchdown. This was a back and forth affair between these two teams. Yeah, Kirk Cousins had his best game of the season, arguably, but by QBR, it was his best game of the season. Uh, and yeah, like a dope. I looked at McKenzie before the game. I said, Kirk Cousins, over a half an interception, minus 110. Got to take it, right? Have to take it. Primetime Kirk. And I said, nah, nah. I'll, play his, I'll, play, I'll play his under passing yards instead. Well, one hit and one didn't. <laughs> yeah. And it was not the one that I ended up betting. So, like I said, yesterday was a rough day for me. <laughs> uh, Mac Jones, 382 passing yards and two touchdowns. I did not see that coming. You're right. I didn't see it coming. But watching that game, does it feel like that's what happened? Does it feel like Mac Jones played some great game? He had a couple of big throws, the Nelson Aguilar touchdown. He had the the throw down the field to to Devontae Parker. Um he made a couple of throws in this game that were that maybe this is maybe it's more about the Vikings defense than Mac Jones and the and the Patriots offensive performance. It could be. And I mean, listen, there was a, a lot of passing attempts because uh Damian Harris left the game with an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh so the the Patriots only end up running the ball 13 times in the game. And and that was let's the the whole game was basically a neutral game script like it was there was never more than a seven point lead in that game mm-hmm. so uh, but that that's a lot more than I anticipate Bill Belichick went in saying I I can't imagine he said I want Mac Jones to throw it forty times today that doesn't sound like a, a good game plan seventy five percent passes versus twenty five percent rushes you don't think that was the game plan I don't, in? I, that doesn't sound like Belichick to me but I I don't know. As we've said all year, I don't know who's calling the plays in New England. It might, I mean, it might be Mackenzie Rivers, for all I know, texting him in. Uh, but Mac Jones threw the ball, I think, a lot more than they thought he would. I, you're right. He did hit some big throws down the field. It just still felt like he's he makes poor decisions under pressure. He he takes sacks when it feels like he doesn't need to. He got bailed out by a couple penalties. Mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I walked away from that game unimpressed with Mac Jones. Well, I walked away from that game unimpressed with the Vikings defense. Yeah. Because look at what they did against the Cowboys last week. And I got to be honest, this is probably Bill Belichick watching that tape of the Cowboys game and going, I know exactly what to do against this team. (laughs) And going out there and putting up a a good game plan to score 26 points, which seems like the page ward on their opening drive yesterday. Mm -hmm. First time this year. First time all season. Now only the Jets and Panthers are the only teams that haven't scored a touchdown on their opening drive. It was also the first time that the Patriots scored a touchdown in the first quarter of this season. That's wild. That's that's Bill Belichick making an adjustment based off the defense that he watched last week against the Dallas Cowboys. You know who did impress? Justin Jefferson. He's phenomenal. Set he's, the he's record. A, he's unbelievable. Set the record last night. Most receiving yards in the first three seasons of a career – and he did it in four fewer games than Randy Moss did. That's unreal. He's 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 incredible. He's on such a trajectory. But nine catches on eleven targets. He had hundred and thirty nine yards. He is like the the surest thing in football right now. You throw the ball to him, he's gonna make plays. He has over a hundred yards. In one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games this year. And think about this. What was the talk before the season about, oh, who's going to be the offensive player of the year? 
And the the bets were coming in on Justin Jefferson. Why? Because the head coach, Kevin O'Connell, was the offensive coordinator in Los Angeles last year where the offense revolved around Cooper Cup. And it's clear this offense is revolving around Justin Jefferson. It's wild still that Justin Jefferson was traded for Stephon Diggs. And it's one of the very few trades in the NFL. Well, he the player wasn't. The draft pick was. Right. Yeah. But it's one of the very few trades where I think both sides are extremely happy mm-hmm. with the results. Sure. Which is a rare thing in the NFL. Usually one team's going, yeah. The other team's going, damn it. They got me again. But this is one where both, both teams are very happy with the result. Uh, the Vikings move to 9-2. and two. I still don't know if, how good the Vikings are, but they are 9-2. and two. Jets, Lions, Colts, Giants, Packers, Bears down the stretch. This is, I don't want to say undoubtedly, but it's almost assuredly a playoff team. Almost assuredly winning the NFC North. I want to go back to Justin Jefferson, Offensive Player of the Year for a moment. Prior to this game, he was at plus 250. You would imagine he moves down slightly, right? Mm -hmm. Plus 200 maybe? That's probably right. He doesn't move down. McKenzie, he wouldn't move down that much, right? No. Okay. I can't imagine that for one game. And Tyreek Hill is up there as well. He he still has a game to play. Yeah, he's the second favorite. Um, Would you bet Justin Jefferson right now? No. I don't like these markets just because, especially with receivers, hamstring um, out for a little while. And there may be, because the Vikings are dominating the way they are in their division. They may not be playing anybody in week 18. Okay. Justin Jefferson opened the season at 20 to 1, now at plus 250. Tyreek Hill opened the season at 40 to 1. By the way, the, the Vikings' magic number to clinch the division, one. <laughs> so when the Packers lose to the Eagles on if, Sunday night? If the Packers lose, uh, it's clinched? It, no, because the, the Lions are 4 and 7 also. Ah, so they've got, those, a, forget about those, the Lions, bro. They've got a five-game lead right now. Those Lions. But, Bite your kneecaps. But, yeah, they're they're right there. So they just need one more win, and they are your NFC North champions. Taking a look around the rest of the league for Sunday, let's start in Jacksonville. The Baltimore Ravens taking on the Jags. The Ravens favored by four on the road. I don't get the, the Jaguars' love. I never did. To me, this is the Ravens or pass, and I think it's the Ravens <laughs> as the play to make. Uh, Baltimore, it, ever since they got Roquan Smith, the defense has gotten so much better, and Lamar Jackson just covers on the road. 20-11 and 11 ATS on the road as the starting quarterback. The Ravens in their three losses have only trailed for 120 seconds of football. Think about that. This is a really good football team. Ugly, I think the spread is only this low because – Ugly performance for the Ravens last week. Well, I, I agree, but it's it's not just last week. The Ravens have been they, – they've had a hard time getting margin because they have no continuity on offense. Their offensive line is banged up. Stanley is still a question mark for this game at left tackle. You know, Devin Duvernay is fine in a quick burst, but when Devin Duvernay is your number one receiver and teams are throwing their best corner at him, it's a problem. Two catches in the last two weeks total. Mark Andrews, clearly not 100%. They're rotating their running back every week because somebody else is hurt, somebody <laughs> else is healthy. It just feels like the Ravens are just trying to get, you know, we talked about the Bills, uh, the sigh of relief of, oh, we finally yeah. got through this. It feels like this is the portion of the Ravens' schedule with all their injuries on offense. They got everybody healthy on defense. Mm. If they can get through this stretch, it feels like they can let out a breath and say, okay, now we can rest for a minute. Let's finish the season. Our pregame.com power rankings have Baltimore four and a half points better than Jacksonville. Uh, Denver, two-point favorites at the Panthers. Oof, who, wants to, who wants to have anything to do with this game? Um, I'll say this. The Broncos' offense is so pathetic, and now they, they place Chase Edmonds on IR. The same week they wave Melvin Gordon, <laughs> uh, Latavius Murray, it, it, who's their presumed starter now, is banged up. KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, both missing practice. Andrew Beck, the tight end, is questionable. I, I don't want to back Sam Darnold. It feels disgusting, but I can't bet on the Broncos as favorites on the road against anybody. I just can't. It's it's too crazy right now. The total is thirty six. If it closes below that, 
Mackenzie, are we talking about a historically low total for this game? Yes, 36 is pretty much the minimum the last five years. We've seen a couple 36s, 35s and a half would be new. Yeah, and this is, I think, the most teasable game on the board because it is such a low total. You're you're teasing the home team through three, through seven. This is what you look for. This is like the truest form of a Wong teaser, uh, and it, you can get all the way to eight on this thing. So, to and the, the, who are the Broncos going to blow out? How <laughs> can you blow anyone out with with this offense? You just can't. So, I like the Panthers as a, as a, a teaser leg. No touchdown scorer in the game, thirty-five to one. Somebody will score a touchdown. <laughs> Somebody will do it. Uh, the Falcons at the Commandos, and I just said it. The Commanders are great against the run. Yeah, uh, they are third in defensive rush DVOA. What's Atlanta do? All they do is run. Early in the season, ran the ball very effectively. Second half of this season, have not run the ball effectively at all, but have run at the same volume. Now they're without Kyle Pitts, not a very versatile offense, Uh, and the commander's offense is just better without Wentz. Heineke has made them – they're not good yet, but they went from being awful – to below average. Mm-hmm. That's a big jump for a team that's playing defense as well. Falcons still have cluster injuries in the secondary. I, I like the commanders here. So it's going to be a rain game. We have a 100% chance of rain for Sunday during the day in Landover, Maryland. Uh, it's going to be winds 5 to 10 miles per hour, so not too windy, but it is going to be rain. We just saw Atlanta play in the rain a couple of weeks ago against Carolina. They... Lost 25-15. The Panthers ran for 232 yards against the Falcons. This is an indoor team that is not accustomed to playing in these conditions, and they do not have a good run defense as in as shown by the way that Carolina ran all over them. I think Brian, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson will have big days on Sundays. Tampa Bay, three-point favorites at the Browns. I think we are on different sides of this. I'll let you take the lead here. I don't like the three and a half, but I don't like the Browns. I really don't. And this is going to be another weather game. Let's see. Cleveland, let's look at the 10-day forecast. I think that this is just a Cleveland team that is dead. And, you know, it's... It's a spot where they know Deshaun Watson's coming back. He's yeah. practicing with the team. I just I, I feel like that's got to be somewhat of a distraction for them. Here's the weather for Sunday. 90% chance of rain. Winds at 15 to 25 miles per hour. Oof. Well, to, what that screams to me is these teams are going to run the football. Yeah. Uh, one team pretty good at stopping the run. One team historically bad at stopping the run. That's the Cleveland Browns mm. not stopping a nosebleed. Uh, there are threes. There are three and a halfs. Um, so shop around for the side that you like. If you like Tampa, you, you probably want that three. If you like the other side, the Browns, you, you can get three and a half. Uh, lay a little extra juice if you want that number. This would be an under for me, though. 42 and a half right now. Okay. I think that's the uh, that's the only way I could look as well, especially, like you said, given the weather. And Uncle Dave gave out under 43 and a half oh, on the yes, dream he preview. Did. Yes, he did. Uh, Bengals, Titans. This one, interesting. There's two and a halfs and there's threes out there. Uh, so there's money coming in on the Bengals, even mm-hmm. from when we did the pod earlier in the week. Looks like Joe Mixon trending to not playing. Uh, this Titans team, I've said it all year long. I don't know how they're good, <laughs> but they're good. They keep winning. They keep covering. Uh, Vrabel is a dog. I want nothing to do with betting against Vrabel as a dog. The, the run game for the Bengals seems limited. What do you think about this one? Joe Burrow says he thinks Jamar Chase is playing. Okay, and that is when he why, would never lie. Well, that is why you're seeing the line movement, though, is because if Jamar Chase plays, then this Bengals team starts to resemble the Bengals team that everyone fell in love with a couple of weeks ago. The Bengals, all they do is win and cover, and Joe Burrow as the quarterback, all he does is win and cover. He is 14 and three ATS in his last 16 starts. 
Imagine going through an entire season and that's your ATS record. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much what it is. His past 16 starts, it's like a whole season. He's 14-3 and against the spread. The Bengals, in their last 18 games overall, 15-3 and ATS. Second most profitable ATS team over the last two seasons. I think if Jamar Chase plays, Bengals win and cover. And if he doesn't, you're holding on to your breath. I mean, because listen, this uh, this Titans team, same they've they've won or they've won seven of eight. They covered all eight of those games. Yeah, as an underdog, that that's all they do. It's all they do is cover as dogs. I just, I, I man, Vrabel seems such a good dog coach. We to me, we, to, we talk about Tomlin in this spot all the time. Vrabel this could seems be like a the new spot one. where the number matters. Like at two and a half, I like the Bengals. Three or three and a half, I like the Titans. The Texans at the Dolphins. Dolphins now 14-point favorites. Kyle Allen gets to start for the Houston Texans. Here was my take on this. The The Dolphins have averaged 35 points per game the last three weeks. So for the Texans to cover, they'll need 22 points. They Not have, happening. They have scored 20, over 20 points one time this season. Yeah, it ain't happening. That was in week four. If you pull out the three weeks that Tua was injured – the Dolphins are the best passing offense per DVOA by a mile. The Texans grade 30th in pass coverage per PFF, and now they're without their first-round rookie, Derek Stingley. I think the Dolphins just take a dump on this team. Would you rather have the Dolphins or would you rather have Texans team total under 16.5? I'd rather have the Dolphins okay. because, because the Dolphins, their defense is still shaky, so they may give up some points. But they're going to score at will. Even the Giants backdoored their way to 20. That's right. Uh, The Chicago Bears at the New York Jets. That number is at six. I said early this week, I don't expect Justin Fields to play. That's what this this is all about. This is all about it. I think the number says that he's not going to play. Correct. The Bears know what they have in Justin Fields. They've got a franchise quarterback. They also know they are not making the playoffs. Not going to happen. So why would you send your franchise quarterback hobbled against the Jets with nothing to play for? Mm -hmm. What sense does it make? And now you put Trevor Simeon behind this offensive line. I mean, Justin Fields is back there running for his life. Trevor Simeon can't move. Mm -hmm. And just the... The style of play when you switch from one quarterback to another, usually you want to have a backup that's somewhat similar to your starter, can run the offense the same way. No, this is, this they're, is night they're, and day. They're going to hand the ball off all game. Yeah. So the Jets are, they're six and four. They're great on defense. Their only two losses since week three are against Bill Belichick, the best coach in the world. This, this team, this defense held the Bills to 17, they held the Dolphins to 17. And now they're going to hold and, Trevor and now, Simeon. And now, like a renewed sense of confidence with the quarterback switch. Yeah, that they're not frustrated anymore about Zach Wilson's performance. And I don't think Mike White's a, a downgrade, to be honest. Uh, Raiders at the Seahawks. Seahawks three and a half point favorites. Listen, Seattle's off a bye. Uh, this is they're coming off a disappointing performance in Germany. The Raiders are coming off a win mm-hmm. in overtime. So you're buying high on the Raiders. I don't want to do that. Uh, give me the team with the better coach, extra prep time, and something to play for. The Raiders stink on the road. That, that Raiders stink on defense. Yeah, 32nd in defensive DVOA. And that win last week against the Raiders, their first road win, uh, or against the Broncos, their first road win of the season. So I like the Seahawks to get back to what they were doing before the Germany mm-hmm. game, winning games by double digits. They'd won four in a row by double digits before that game. I agree. The Chargers... Uh, where are we at with that number? It's still three. Three-point favorites at Arizona. Some money came in on the Cardinals, though. I'm not really sure why. Um, Just because Kyler Murray's going to play. Okay. Is that, a, is that great? Great no, news? I, I love the Chargers. You know what that means? Spot. It means Kyler Murray's going to play with a hamstring. Kyler Murray's going to play. He ain't going to run. Yeah. This is the biggest handicap for me here is the, the Cardinals, much like the 49ers, they – Played last week on Monday in Mexico City. Now on a short week without a bye, coming back. That is heavy elevation to play at last week. I can see there being some sort of effect on the body of the six teams that played the week after Mexico City. 
those teams were outscored 81-44 in the second half of their games. Yeah, and the Cardinals are dead. They're a dead team. Chargers, as much as we want to say, well, Chargers are a big disappointment, they're 5-5. Five and five. They're in the playoff hunt mm-hmm. still. They've got a lot to play for, and with Keenan Allen on the field last week, it, they looked like the Chargers' offense again. Justin yes. Herbert looked like like Herbs, my guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I like the Chargers here. Rams at the Chiefs, 15 and a half. There's some 16s hitting the board. Oh, are you willing to lay it with the Chiefs here? I am willing to take the over. Okay. Because I know the Chiefs are going to score. I just need the Rams to contribute a little bit. Just a little bit. And I think that there will be opportunities in this game where the Chiefs defense is a little bit lax and the Rams do find the end zone. Chiefs have been favored by double digits one time this season, and that was a non-cover against Tennessee in Well, double-digit dogs have done great this year in the NFL. That's so my you worry. Just, you just want to blindly take the Rams. I mean, you're, you're, the odds are in your favor. Lions cover, Giants yeah. cover. Yes. Yep. So, to me, I can't lay the points with the Chiefs, but I do like over 41. We don't quite get to double digits in Saints 49ers. 49ers favored by 9.5. You mentioned... 49ers coming back from the elevation game. Uh, but you also remember the second half of the fourth quarter, 49ers were resting starters. They had their guys mm-hmm. hanging out on the sideline. George Kittle, uh, yeah. you know, Debo, they're all hanging out in ball caps at the end of that game. Uh, what are your thoughts on them? The Saints have just been a joke on the road. This team lost to Carolina by over a touchdown. Arizona by over a touchdown. The Steelers by over a touchdown. This is a bad road team. Uh, I, I lean to the 49ers here, even with the short week. I think this game is, I think this game should be lined less than nine and a half. So I do find value on the Saints. I think there's a lot of recency bias built into this line. The 49ers now are everyone's darling. They're power rated to be the best team in the NFC now, third best team in the NFL. Because of the performances the past couple of weeks, I think this line's a bit inflated. And uh, do I think the 49ers win? Yes. Nine and a half is just too much. I think this is more like a seven-point spread. Packers plus six and a half at the Eagles. Mackenzie, you're better at reading the market than I am. Does The way the lines are moving, does it look like we'll probably get a seven on the Eagles uh, by Sunday? Yes. You look at the sharp books. Minus six and a half, minus 15 at Bookmaker, which is pretty much the same as seven. Seems like that's the way the market's going, yes. And then, as we know, the the standalone games on Sunday night, mm-hmm. typically the favorites take money. Uh, if the Packers get to seven, I think I'm going to be in on the Packers. Tease the Eagles down. That's a good move, too. Uh, but it, you don't want to tease them uh, unless it gets to seven. Like, if it, you want to see it get through seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and But Fez will say that sometimes if it looks like it's going that way, it's okay to jump in early. Uh, well, you know, just also just be careful. Like, like <laughs> utilize – you're, you're the teasers. There's a teaser chart, I guess, and, and Fez explained this to me. Where let's say you take the he two, explained it to all of us. Yes, let's say you take the two <laughs> legs here of of your teaser being all right. We want to push down the uh, the Jets at minus six, push them down, and you want to push down the Eagles at minus six and a half. Well, essentially, you are doing a two leg money line parlay. And so instead of laying minus 120 on the teaser, what would that money line parlay pay out? In this instance, it would be minus 114, which is better than risking minus 120. So it all depends on what your teaser juice is and what the legs of the parlays would be. I think my – I've said before I'm going to have Carolina in a, in a teaser. I think it's going to be teased with the Monday night game. I think I'm going to be on the Steelers plus uh, move them from 2.5 up to 8.5 on Monday night. So there you go. That is the week 12 NFL schedule. Mississippi State gets the job done taking out the Ole Miss Rebels 24-22 as Ole Miss fails on a two-point conversion at the end of the game here. Uh, You know, it felt felt like both teams were in it to the very end. uh, And... This it was an exciting game. It was an under game, as we talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. These, these games tend to go that way. Um, 
And, but I, I still think all this distraction around Lane Kiffin this week had to have something to do with things. Um, it's not just the distraction. To me, it's the dream crusher. It's the dream crusher scenario. And this is the reason why, if you look at the picks and if you listen to our college football podcast, I picked a lot of these games that, that are going up against teams that have their season ended or nothing to play for. This did not look like the same Ole Miss team that we saw all season. This did not look like the same Ole Miss team that we saw against Alabama. They lose to Alabama. Their dreams are crushed, as R.J. Bell trademarks, the dream crusher scenario. (laughs) Think about it, though. They have not looked the same since. A pathetic display against Arkansas and the loss here to Mississippi State. They were 7-0. They were 7th in the AP poll. There was people talking about them maybe being a playoff, you know, a yeah, playoff team. But they still could have made the SEC championship game if they beat Alabama. One and four down the stretch. Uh, I don't know what happens with Lane Kiffin, but I think it's going to be interesting to watch the next couple of weeks. It, it wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, and a lot of people questioning Lane's late game decision making, his clock management down the stretch. So tough loss for Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State. Credit where it's due. This team. Nobody talks about them a lot, it doesn't feel like. Uh, but that's – going back to 2020, seven games against top 25 teams that, that Mississippi State has won. They jump up and bite these teams sometimes, and they are one of the best offenses, passing offenses in the country. So uh, Mississippi State – and a good defense as well, and they played good defense last night. So uh, Mississippi State, a team to watch, and I think a team that will play hard in a bowl game. You just got to find your inner pirate. That's right. Big slate of college foots on Friday. We'll run through some of the key games coming up today. Tulane, one-point dog at Cincinnati in a key matchup in the American Conference. Scott Seidenberg's favorite conference. Yeah, I got to go with the home team. I got to go with Cincinnati. Tulane has impressed this season. Uh, The loss to UCF was... I don't know how to. What, what do you want to say about that? They, you you were all over Tulane. In that I was. Spot. They, they, they no showed it. They absolutely no showed it. Defense that's been great all year long. No mm-hmm. showed it. I think Cincinnati at home has the slight edge, and uh, I give Cincinnati that edge just because they're home. These two teams are a coin flip. I, I go with the home field. I liked the under in this game, but it's been absolutely hammered down. I can't endorse it anymore. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's down like four and a half points from open. So the game's going to be a total pass for me. Baylor, 10-point dogs at Texas. Texas too hyped here? What do you think? Oof. Yeah. Why is the total so low? Here's, here's why, in my opinion, and this is why I kind of like the Longhorns in this game as well. You can't really run on Texas. Their defense is great against the run. That's what so Baylor. Baylor's that's what Baylor score, does. Yeah, they're going to count on they're going to count on Blake Shapen to to run this game, and I don't think he can do it. So I, I think that's that's what people are looking at here. It may end up being for me a Baylor team total under if I'm looking at anything. So you like the game under as well, then? I, I well. Listen, this is uh, Quinn Ewers is so night and day. There's uh, yeah. games where he looks like a total bum. But imagine he goes out and does what he did against Oklahoma. You can't hit it under if he does that. Or, or what he did last week against Kansas. Yeah. So it, it, he's very hot and cold. I don't want to, that's why I don't want to bother with that portion of things. I'd rather just say uh, Baylor, not great at passing the ball. Texas should be able to take advantage there. Let, let's, uh, or, or they won't be able to run the ball. Baylor's going to have to pass. I don't think Shapin's good enough to beat him through the air. North Carolina State at North Carolina, the Tar Heels, six-point favorites. And listen, the the Tar Heels are going to score. They score on everybody. I have a hard time seeing where the points come from for NC State because in the post-Leary era, the offense has been ugh. Um they the one offensive explosion they've had was against Wake Forest. They put up 30 points. And you know what? They might put up 30 here against North Carolina. But North Carolina, what you saw last week was by far the worst game of Drake May's career. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think he plays two games like that in a row. I think North Carolina wants to get right before the Clemson game next week. I think they, they make sure this offense is humming. I think they've run it up against NC State. You would think last week was really ugly for North Carolina. They, 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 I know they had a couple of turnovers. They had uh, the, the you know, one turnover on downs. But how do you perform that poorly against Georgia Tech at home? You weren't on the road. No, it's not. It, it, it's it, it's a, one of the more confusing data points of the year, one hundred percent. And you want to say, are, are they looking ahead? Looking ahead to what? Yeah, you got the ACC championship game in a couple of weeks, and but looking ahead to NC State? No, I don't. I I, I don't agree with that. I really don't. Um, to me, this was this was a bad performance last week. I expect a bounce back performance this week, getting ready for Clemson. So I think North Carolina wins. I think North Carolina wins big. I think so, too. Uh, Let's look at corn. It's corn plus 11 at Iowa. Nebraska, you don't trust them here. I don't trust Nebraska at all. No. I think Iowa is going to dominate this game. Iowa needs a win to secure their spot in the Big Ten championship game. And Nebraska needs the season to be over. Uh, I get it. It's kind of a rivalry game, right? They play each other at the end of the year all the time. Cool. Nebraska against the better defenses that they have faced this year. The best defense is in the Big Ten. They have not been able to score anything. They faced uh, Illinois, nine points. Michigan, three points. Against Rutgers, 14. Against Minnesota. They put up 13 against Wisconsin. They put up 14. Iowa is an elite defense. Iowa doesn't give up points. Iowa doesn't give up touchdowns. I don't see how at Kinnick Stadium, Nebraska scores more than two touchdowns. I can't see it. Iowa allows at home only 10 points per game. And take out the 27 that they allowed to Michigan, who's the best team that they faced this year, that's seven points a game that they allow at home. I, Nebraska's not going to find the end zone in this game. The thing that scares me is Iowa's offense. This is still the same Iowa team that won 7-3 to three at home against South Dakota State at the beginning of this season. This is a putrid, putrid offense. It, it just feels like a lot of points for me. I this get me three touchdowns. This isn't one of the weeks where I'm like, corn all the way. Just get me three touchdowns. But the problem is they haven't averaged three touchdowns this year. So you're asking for them to overperform what they've been doing. 21-7 final <laughs> score. Okay. Actually, 21-6 Two final field goals. score. Two field goals from Nebraska. Uh, Florida plus nine and a half at Florida State. This feels like a Florida State, an opportunity for them to, to kind of punch down at Florida while while they're riding high. Nine and a half point favorites, though, that's a big number for a team that I think is is good. Nine and a half is a lot, though, for a team that I think is just good against a rival. Yeah, this might be the spot where Florida makes up for everything that went bad this season, right? Like, this has been... That's a lot of making up to do. Yeah, it's been a terrible year, and the loss last week to Vanderbilt keeps them out of a, a better bowl game. You know they're they're still going bowling, but you would have liked to have you would have liked to finish eight wins. You finished the year eight and four in the SEC. You're okay. I think I think people were okay with that performance. Now you finish the year six and six. It's a disappointing year, no doubt. This is a program salvaging win. You'll get the best version of Anthony Richardson in this game. I think Florida has a chance to win outright. You know who's kicking themselves right now? Utah. Utah's got to be looking at this team going, yeah. how did we lose to this team yeah. and screw up our whole freaking season? Well, Anthony Richardson played. I mean, every, people talked about Anthony Richardson to win the Heisman Trophy yeah. after that game. He ran the ball for 106. He ran for three touchdowns in that game. Do Rarely. you realize all season long he has only rushed for – Six touchdowns in the rest of the season combined. <laughs> so he ran for a third of his touchdowns in that game. He had three. He has. He ran for over a hundred yards only one other game this season. That was the LSU game. He had a hundred and six yards and three touchdowns. He followed that up the next week with six carries for four yards. The next week, seven for twenty-four. Like that was an anomaly. 
And maybe that was the game plan to beat Utah. Maybe it's going to be the game plan here to beat Florida State. Georgia Tech, 33.5-point favorites at number one. Georgia total in this game is the way I'm looking, under 49. And I think Georgia, like they did last week against Kentucky, is going to sit on the ball, grind clock, get out of this game as quickly and as healthy as possible, get ready for LSU, get ready for the playoff. Last week they ran the ball 48 times. They ran, they passed the ball 16 times. They've got no need to get big margin. I, I think they're just playing it safe, which makes you think, well, you, you probably like Georgia Tech then, right? I don't because I don't know if Georgia Tech can score a point on this team. Uh, <laughs> they, they are playing for bowl eligibility. But that's the one thing Georgia does not let off the gas on the defensive side of the ball. They take very they take a lot of pride in not letting you score touchdowns against them. Uh, I think the offense right, grinds it out, clicks, t- edit, ticks the clock down, ticks the clock down, ticks the clock down, gets an ugly win. But I think this game goes way under forty nine points. With a total of forty nine though, and the line at thirty five and a half. Doesn't it seem like it's how is it going to be Georgia and the under like that? That really means that Georgia Tech doesn't score anything. Yeah, like no, I I really I don't know if Georgia Tech's going to score anything. I, I but really does Georgia think, cover? I don't know, but I don't think so. I don't think so because I don't think, like I said, I don't think they want to get margin. So here. what's the safer bet? Is the safer bet the plus thirty five and a half? The safer bet's under. the under. The under. Safer okay. bet is the under. All right. uh, Michigan plus. Eight and a half at Ohio State, the game of the day on Saturday. I got a feeling you and I are looking at this from different uh, lenses. Well, you've loved Michigan all year. I do. I My concern now is the health of Blake Corum. Because if, if they don't have Blake Corum, then this they're not going to be competitive in this game. Uh, assuming Blake Corum plays, eight and a half is too many points. Yeah, I just think it's too many points anyway for this game. It, this is... You were expecting this to be under a touchdown? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. The spread being this high is actually kind of surprising to me. It's almost like they're begging you to take Michigan. But in terms of just the the, the power ratings between these two teams, it's clear that Ohio State is viewed as the second best team in the country. Oh, I think I don't and, think that's a doubt. Like, yeah, but I think it's there's a I think there's a a, a, a drop off. Between them and Michigan, yeah, there's Ohio State's closer to Georgia in Vegas power ratings yes, than they that, are to Michigan. That's what I'm trying to say. And so, as much as this line is almost like screaming to you to just take Michigan plus the points, I think the line is this high for a reason, and I think Ohio State comes away with a win and a cover. South Carolina, 14 point dogs at Clemson. Can, I mean, South Carolina pulled off a pretty big upset. Against Tennessee, can they do it again here? Was that the celebration moment? Listen, here's what I do now. Tennessee doesn't play defense. Mm-hmm. Clemson, not great on offense, but they play defense. That is a proud defense. I think they make Spencer Rattler look stupid. And I know he's coming in here riding high. I don't want to buy high on South Carolina. Yeah, 14 and a half is a lot of points. Again, it, it, I like I like the I like the idea of taking fourteen and a half. I kind of like the under fifty two. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Uh, Auburn plus twenty two at Alabama. What do you see here? I'm taking the points. Tell me why. It's the Iron Bowl. Auburn Auburn. Ever since they made the switch to Cadillac Williams, this team's showing signs of life. It does and, feel that way. They're excited. And and you know something that I. I to me, it's like this is it's an intangible handicap, right? I could tell you about how Alabama in rivalry games this year just hasn't blown anybody out. I could tell you how Alabama's really playing for, I don't know, I guess they still have an outside chance at the playoffs should, should some random craziness happen. Yeah, should, a, yet, should a house fall out of a sky yeah, and land on a witch? And, 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 and yes, Auburn does need the, uh, the win in order to get bowl eligibility. So there is that factor. But I think that sometimes when an interim coach takes over and the players respond to that coach, you see an inspired effort because the players play for that coach. They want that coach to get this job. And so while everyone's talking about who's going to be the next head coach at Auburn, for these players playing there right now, 
they probably want Cadillac Williams to be the next head coach at Auburn. Look no further than Notre Dame. Notre Dame played so hard for Marcus Freeman last year that he got the job yeah. going into this season. And so I look at this Auburn team, 22 points, Iron Bowl, everything that goes along with it. I think they're going to fight for this guy. I think they're going to fight for Cadillac Williams. I like to, I'm like. i going to take the points. Okay. Oregon, minus three at Oregon State, or as Uncle Dave would say, Oregon, minus three at Oregon State. Quack, quack. Uh, feels like one of these teams has a lot to play for. You know, Oregon looking for a spot in the Pac-12 championship. Oregon yeah. State, Oregon State, just kind of riding out the wave. But don't, I, don't they want to? Don't they want to uh, play the spoiler role? Of course they do. Yeah, and this it's it's kind of what they live for, right? This is a weird game all the time. Civil War. It's a tough place to go play. Um, but I I lean to the Ducks here. It just feels like they've got too much to play for right now. Too motivated and playing too well right now. Bo Nix looks good. I mean, he was banged up last week, but he still fought. He still ran. He ran when they needed him to run. He had one rush in that game. And it was to get that first down at the end of the game. That players respond to that. Uh, this is a really good football team. Frogs, TCU, 10-point favorites hosting Iowa State. Best team in the Big 12 hosting, I think, the worst team in the Big 12. You think the number's short? I love TCU in this spot. When a team is down, step on their throats and crush them. And that's what TCU will do. They will finish the job here. There will not be a letdown against what, in my opinion, is an absolute dead team that's just begging for the season to be over, much like Ole Miss looked like last night. <laughs> they did look like that. But here's what I said on the college football podcast. The last week's, the last second run-on, run-off field goal for TCU, where they didn't make a mistake, showed me how well-coached this team is, truly. And I don't think that a team that is this well-coached suffers a letdown in a spot where they know that as long as they just continue to do their thing, they go out and they go to the Big 12 championship game and they go to the college football playoff. Last game that matters in this rivalry week, Notre Dame, five-and-a-half-point dogs at the USC Trojans. USC playing for a spot in the Pac-12 championship. Well, they already got the spot in the Pac-12 championship game. Well, that leads them to a spot. In, in the, the college, college football, football playoff. playoff. Yeah. Do they get it done here? Step one of their two-step to the playoff. I think they do. I really do. I think that, I think USC is going to the college football playoff. This team is too good. Offensively, they can score at will. They're so bad on defense. They, I don't know. They are. When's they the last time we saw so a defense this defense. poor make it to the playoff? I, I don't know, honestly. I don't know. if it's. And what's crazy is TCU could do it, too. I mean, these are two really bad defenses yeah. that are lined up to make this playoff. I worry about them if they make it, but for now, we're just worried about them getting there. Notre Dame seems like the kind of team that's going to have a hard time keeping up. That's that's my point. I don't think Notre Dame has the offense to keep up with USC. As bad as USC's defense is, if they put up 40-something points in this game or even in the high 30s, I don't think Notre Dame gets there. USC given about a 40% chance by the market to make the playoff. Yes, is at plus 155, no minus 190 right now. So uh, maybe if you don't want to bet on this game, you want to bet on to win the next two games, a little parlay action, you could do the rollover. Rollover, Pays baby. more. We discussed Roll that on the college over. football pod. Rolling. And there you go. That Rolling. is rivalry. Rolling over parlay. <laughs> Not easy for me to say rivalry week <laughs> in college football. Say it sometimes fast. Rival. <laughs> take a look at the NBA where Pat Beverly suspended yesterday for three games, starting with the back-to-backs here against San Antonio tonight and tomorrow, uh, third game Monday against the Pacers. McKenzie, what's this mean to the Lakers, and is three games warranted? Seems like a long suspension for a shove. It does, but, I mean, you look at Patrick Beverly, it's not the first time he knocks somebody down to the ground when they were facing the other direction. There's only so many times you can get away with a cheap shot in the back. So I was no problem with the three-game suspension. But DeAndre Ayton's a giant, and Patrick Beverly's not. True. That's like, a good point. When you yeah, see the, this is also a Pat Beverly suspension for being Pat Beverly. That's, That's true. It's the, it's the Pat Bev tax. Yeah. What's it mean to the Lakers on the court? I don't think it means so much. I feel like the Lakers have enough on the perimeter to figure it out without Patrick Beverly. I think if this Lakers team is all to do with Anthony Davis at the moment. 
And his last four games were his best four games. So I think you got to be optimistic right now as a Lakers fan. What do you see in the game tonight against the Spurs? I like the Lakers minus four and a half. I feel like that's value. I feel like grab it now. You're not going to get that later. The Spurs have been the worst team with a bullet since November 5th. The second worst team is about negative seven per 100 possessions. The Spurs are twice as bad, negative 15 per 100 possessions. I feel like we knew this coming in. They kind of surprised us with their first 10 games, a little bit better than expected, but their talent just isn't there. And I feel like we're seeing that now. I would fade the Spurs in almost every scenario in the next going forward. All right, there you go. Lakers on the road. Scott, let's bang through the rest of the NBA board in a little segment we call The Look Ahead. As McKenzie said, the L.A. Lakers four-and-a-half-point favorites at the San Antonio Spurs. Let's run down the rest of the board, and we'll start with the Minnesota Timberwolves, also four-and-a-half-point favorites at the Hornets. The 76ers, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me, McKenzie. I guess there's a lot of injuries with the Sixers, right? Three-point dogs at the Magic. Yeah, top three guys plus out for Philadelphia. I still think the line is a little generous to the Magic here. I lean Philly. Especially if you have to question the Magic's motivation to win games at this point, which I think you probably could. The Portland Trailblazers will be catching four points at the Knicks. The Grizzlies, two-and-a-half-point favorites, hosting the Pelicans. The Brooklyn Nets, three-point favorites at the Pacers. The Cavs, two-and-a-half-point dogs at Milwaukee. Hawks, minus seven-and-a-half at the Rockets. The lowly, lowly Rockets. Bulls, minus one-and-a-half at the Thunder. The Kings catching eight in Boston. The Miami Heat, four-point favorites hosting the Wizards. The Suns, 12-point favorites hosting another team with Questionable motivation to win games. The Detroit Pistons. The Utah Jazz, seven and a half point dogs at the Warriors. And the last game on the board, the Denver Nuggets, three point road favorites at the Clippers. Let's go to the ice. Uh, full slate of games on the NHL board. You have the Hurricanes at the Bruins. This one's going to be an early uh, tip off here. Boston minus 155, total of six. Canadians are at the Blackhawks. Chicago minus 120, total of six and a half. Maple Leafs at the Wild. Toronto minus 115, total six and a half. The Avalanche at the Predators. Colorado minus 130 with a total of six. Flames are at the Capitals. Calgary minus 120, total six. Senators at the Ducks. Ottawa minus 135, total six and a half. On TNT, nationally televised, you'll get the Penguins at the Flyers. That is the NHL Thanksgiving Showdown. That's what they're calling it. Uh, Pittsburgh minus 235. Total of six and a half. Devils, fresh off their first loss in what seems like an eternity, will be up in Buffalo to take on the Sabres. New Jersey, minus 160, total of six and a half. Islanders at the Blue Jackets. New York, minus 190, total six. Coyotes at the Red Wings. Detroit, minus 205, total six. Your second game of the NHL Thanksgiving showdown on TNT. You love that name. Dynamite. It's the Blues at the Lightning. Tampa minus 190, total of 6.5. Kraken are in Vegas. Take on the Golden Knights. VGK minus 195, total 6.5. Jets at the Stars. Dallas minus 165, total 6. And the Kings at the Sharks. LA minus 145 with a total of 6. Hey, we haven't done this yet on the show, but I think it's a good time to read a listener tweet from um, our friend Mac Betts. This might be McKenzie's burner account. I, One it of them sounds yes. like Mackenzie's burner account. Yep. He, he says, AJ, you and Scott are good to listen to. Thumbs up emoji, yellow Simpson style thumbs up. I kind of feel like Scott is that buddy that is a lot of fun, but you never want to gamble with. I don't know what that means. That I'm a degenerate? I don't know. I don't know what he means by it. I'd love to know, Mac Betts, because you're listening, but we appreciate you listening. Scott is a lot of fun. He's a fun guy. So that you don't want to gamble. Am I a bad influence? I don't know. Hmm. I, maybe he heard the Fezzik Focus, the Saving Seidenberg segment. And maybe. He's saying, yeah, maybe. this is a guy you don't, you don't want to. Uh, well, uh, South Beach tweets at, at me uh, that I made the best joke of the week that nobody got. Which was? On the podcast when I said that you had to put Dua Lipa in the parlay with Taylor Swift, and it was minus 500. <laughs> <laughs> That's what AJ said. I, li- I like the AJ are- said that uh, Taylor Swift is a national treasure, and you know, we power rated Taylor Swift because 
Fezzik had this odd obsession with Katy Perry. It was, oh, yeah. just, it was really awkward. I'm not sure, but yeah. I, I like that people are picking up on little nuggets like that. It's a lot of fun for us. So, we, uh, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate you so much that we're running back that Thanksgiving promo once again. Gotta have leftovers. Yes. We're running it back leftover style, so if you haven't done so already, jump on board. Head to pregame.com and get $25 free using the promo code GOBBLE, G-O-B-B-L-E. If you use that promo code, it's a free best bet. You get a whole best bet package. 25 bucks, whoop, it's free. Now, whoop, <laughs> use the promo code GOBBLE, GOBBLE. Twice the fun. G-O-B-B-L-E. So nice. Spell it twice. Gobble, gobble. will get you $40 off any subscription seven days or greater. You want to get a seven-day all-access? You want to get a 30-day all-access? You want to get a season subscription? Go right ahead. Take $40 off with the promo code gobble, gobble. All available to you at pregame.com. AJ's got college basketball. McKenzie's got NBA. I got NHL. Fezzik's got everything underneath the sun. All available for you at pregame.com. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great, profitable weekend. We are straight out of Vegas AM.